Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. Today we're here with our new first reader for the Writers of the Future contest. I'm very excited to be able to have this chance to talk with Carrie English. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you, John. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Now, you originally were a winner. We first met you when you were a winner for Rise of the Future, Volume 30, was it? Volume 31. 31. And your story was? Poseidon's Eyes. So, um, before we start talking about you being a, a first reader, tell us a little bit about your uh, journey as a writer when you first started and what led you in the direction of science fiction and fantasy. I wanted to be a writer in high school. And this was back in the day, because I'm not the youngest one ever, but I entered in volume three. I had seen the anthologies on a bookshelf, and I had bought at least one. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this section in the back where I realized, hey, this anthology that has all these really cool short stories in it, this is a contest. I can enter this. I can send them a story that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I did, and it it was back in 1980-something or other, Uh and... So I only entered once. It was rejected as it should have been. Um, But that was high school. Uh And then I had submitted other stories to other markets. I had gotten rejection letters, which at the time I did not know was normal. So I thought, well, whatever this writing thing is, I don't have it. So I went to college. I got a normal job. um, But every profession that I did, I was writing. I wrote curriculum for schools. I wrote anti-bullying materials. Um, I worked for Yahoo, so I wrote travel, news, politics, and gossip for Yahoo for a while. And while I was writing gossip, there's such a playfulness with the language there. I found that story ideas started to come back to me. And I was in an electronics store, And they had copies of Analog and Asimov's. And so I I picked them up off the shelves because I hadn't read them for a while. And there was a story by Brad Torgerson in one of them. And I thought, okay, I think I can do this. And then I thought to myself, you know, back in the 80s, there was this contest. And I wonder if this contest is still around. (laughs) And of course, by then, we had internet. And so I got on my computer, and I typed in Writers of the Future, because I remembered the name. And lo and behold, it was not only still around, but there was a web forum. So I joined the web forum, and then lo and behold again, this Brad Torgerson guy who wrote the story Ray of Light that I liked so much in Analog was the forum moderator. So I thought, okay, this is meant to be. Yeah. Then I submitted another story in roughly 2011, I think, and it was a semifinalist. So I don't know what happened between the 80s and 2011, but whatever it is, I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it took me a couple more entries before I won, but there you go. That's great. And so, do you prefer science fiction or fantasy, or are you one of those that does the amalgam where it just blends into a genre? Well, I like fantasy. I don't want to say best. I think most of my ideas are fantasy. Uh Most of my long-form ideas are fantasy. I seem to gravitate towards science fiction when I write short stories. I Mm -hmm. don't know why the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like them both. And some of each tends toward dark. So sometimes I will cross the border into speculative horror. But I don't think I have a preference. Okay. Okay. This is your second year now as 
first reader? Yes, yes. So how did that come about? You know, I'm actually curious. <laughs> the thing is, is I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I didn't know the contest was looking for a first reader. And um, I got a phone call. Uh, I think it was Joni. No, it was Dave. Dave. I got a phone call from Dave that said, um, the contest has decided to hire a first reader and we would like it to be you. Would you like to do it? And I said, wow, yes. And there you go. So I had, I didn't know they were looking. I didn't apply. Um, and unfortunately, I can't shed any more light on that for you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, um, the contest has grown so much over the last few years. I mean, it's been growing all along since the first year back in uh, 84 when I think we had 364 entries that first year. And uh, we won't say how many it is now, but it's, it's considerably more I can... I don't need to assure you because you're the one yes. that sees them. Um, but the value of the contest, like from your own experience as an, an aspiring writer to a published writer to now being the contest first reader, um, what types of, of advice can you give to other aspiring writers? Because that's mostly who's going to be listening to this, or writers that have, have made the first step but now are ready to move on to the next level. I would say that what the contest did for me, which is very important to develop your skills as a writer, is it gives you structure. You try to enter every quarter. And what that teaches you to do is it teaches you to produce. Mm -hmm. It teaches you to write regularly, to polish to finish, and then to submit your work. And so while you're waiting to find out your results, you write more, so you start the cycle over. Um, it's easy as a beginning writer to try to write your opening over and over and over because finishing a story is scary. If you don't finish it, it can't suck. And sometimes you need to embrace the idea that your first draft isn't going to be wonderful. But if it never exists, if you never finish the story, you can't put in the polish time to make it wonderful. And so the contest gives you that structure that I have to finish this so that I can submit it. And then since it's submitted, I'm going to be waiting and I can't really rewrite it because I don't know how it fared. And so I'll write something new because I know I'll need something for the next quarter. So it teaches you to produce a minimum of four short stories a year. And it teaches you to finish them and then to put them out in the world and let them go. And it works so well with Heinlein's rules. Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, the contest gives you the structure and the repetition that you need to advance your skills. All right. So now when you came out for your week workshop and the awards event and meeting the judges and your fellow winners. Um, what are some of the more memorable points for you of that week? <laughs> wow. Okay, the week is intense in the best way possible. You are on the go from eight in the morning until 10 o'clock at night because after the workshop itself, You'll be you'll be socializing with the judges and with your fellow winners, um, and when we hear about new winners, we tell them sleep now, um, and because it will be drinking from a fire hose for the entire week, not only during the class time, but during meal times and after the workshop is over. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a fun story I can tell. 
and it's my Neil Gaiman story, and you've heard it, so I don't I'm know totally if it's appropriate. Fine. I've, maybe I have, but okay. the other thousand so, people who are listening to this haven't. When, when you're new to the contest and you're a new winner, some, you, you've never met all of these big names who are coming in as judges. I'd never met Kevin J. Anderson. Um, I'd met David Farland because I'd taken one of his workshops. But these are your heroes of writing. These are your idols. And so you are almost as excited simply for the chance to meet some of the judges as you are for the fact that you've won this major contest. So during my year, there's this one place in the lounge where we would all sit after the workshop was over and we debrief and we talk to each other and you know we talk about writing we talk about what we were working on and so we were a couple of days in and um, the big VIP judges were starting to arrive so we were super excited because we weren't sure who all was going to come um, but you know we wanted to meet them and so there we were and we saw a gentleman come in he was tall and slender. He had black curly hair. He was wearing black jeans and a black turtleneck and a black leather jacket. And we had only ever seen Neil Gaiman's promo pictures. So they're about an inch square on the back of a book. And we were sure, oh my God, you guys, guys, it's Neil Gaiman. It's Neil Gaiman. Okay, do we have a book that he can sign for us? And by the time we realized that we didn't have a book, he was gone. We were so disappointed. But we thought, wait, wait. If he's here for the event, he'll be here tomorrow. So we'll make sure we have a book with us. And next time we see him, we'll be able to get his autograph. So fast forward one night, we're in the same place. And this time one of us has the book. So we see him again. And there's a guy with him that we didn't quite recognize. You know, he was um, shorter and he had that face that you're like, you know, I've seen him. I've seen him somewhere. I'm sure I have. Maybe we're like Facebook friends or something, and I've just never met him. So one of us gets up, and he's so excited because he's going to get Neil Gaiman's autograph. And he goes over, and he goes out of our line of sight. Um, and when he comes back, he's got this really strange look on his face. And he says, guys, that is not Neil Gaiman. That's Howard Stern. <laughs> and the guy with him is Bono. So our friend did not get Neil Gaiman's autograph. Um, and I don't know if Howard Stern autographed the book or not, but he did ask Howard Stern for Neil Gaiman's autograph. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is a, such a good story. Yes. So in addition to everything that you will learn about craft and about business and about being a professional writer in the industry, um, there will be unexpected adventures that may or may not involve Neil Gaiman. <laughs> So looking back now, in terms of what you got from the workshop, you know, as, as a writer, because several people I've talked to, they say they, they got more, not so much about the craft, but more about the business of writing. But that was their takeaway on it. And I think that's mostly from the workshop itself that's taught by Tim and, uh, and Dave, and now by Scott as well. I think that the, the guest judges are a lot on the craft, the specific specialties that they're able to contribute to. But what was it that you got from the workshop itself? So, yes, definitely. Um, I learned things in the craft uh, lessons. And yes, definitely, I learned things in the business lessons. But I think for me, what was most important to me that I learned in the workshop was how to conduct yourself as a professional. Um, Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca Mesta, they mm. give 
a wonderful lecture about professionalism in the industry and um, even how to what like what to wear to to have a look as an author. The reason we thought that that gentleman, the reason we thought Howard Stern was Neil Gaiman is that when you look at Neil Gaiman, he has a very similar outfit that he wears. And so instantly, if you're at a, a convention where he's going to be, you can see him in a distance, you'll recognize him, you'll know who he is. If anybody says, hey, I need to find Neil Gaiman, um, they know what to look for. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin and Rebecca, they talk about your author brand. Um, they talk about um, never, ever, ever being a jerk to anyone because it's a small industry. And if you gain a reputation for being a jerk, people simply won't want to work with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty nice. I am not inclined to be a jerk to anyone. Um, but when controversies in the industry come up, I fall back on lessons from the workshop about professionalism. And we all have opinions, and sometimes they're very strong opinions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can voice them diplomatically, and sometimes you keep them to yourself. Yeah. So... Good. Yeah, one thing that we have on, because I run the Rise of the Future uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, and the contest is definitely not political. It's not religious. It's all about the genre yes. and the winners and aspiring artists. It's, it's unfortunate when I have a picture of me with somebody who's known themselves to be very much political left, political right, that my friends will comment who are the opposite saying oh i can't believe you're with that and it's just it's just so not about that i'm not about that you know the it's interesting because we have winners now this year from iran and turkey and we're working with the state department to get the person from iran here and it's, it's not about political it's it's all about the arts and it's about the aesthetics and the importance of that which is what owen hubbard created the contest for was it's a level above all this type of um, backstabbing and all the different attacks and all the different, you know, those, those political things where, you know, over the years when you've got science fiction and fantasy, it's gone through, you know, America's gone through the left and it's gone through the right. You've got the wars, but the science fiction, the good science fiction, it persists, you know. Anyway, so that's, that's what it's about. So, you know, having you on board now as the um, first reader and... I mean, when we met you, you're just you're such a nice person. It was just Thank you. that's the kind of, of things that we we consider with our our judges. They're just, they're really nice people, you know. Irrespective of the fact that they're brilliant authors, they're just downright nice people, and and that's the image that we wanted to create and, and continue to create. And that's what Owen Hubbard started at the get go with you know the purpose of the contest. So are there? Um, I'm just curious, looking back in terms of what you got from the workshop? One of the lessons that we got in the contest was how to create an elevator pitch for your story. And since we knew we were going to be doing radio and television interviews, um, actually, this was this was your unit, John. Mm-hmm. You taught us how to do this, how to create a single sentence that encapsulates your story so that when you get asked, whether it's you know a news interview or whether it's an editor or an agent where you might be able to sell that story or that novel, you need something brief but intriguing. And we worked on that until we all had it. And then we drilled it. What's your story about? And we'd have to say it to each other. And, and, you know, then you rotate and you say to somebody else, what's your story about? And we practice saying it. 
that has been so beneficial because I do that now for every single one of my stories and I can still just rattle off my original one and it's been like, what, five years now? Yeah. Four years? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, good. Good. So knowing that people are listening to seeing our themselves aspiring uh, writers, you've already said, you know, start and finish what you start and go on to the next one. Um, any particular things that you had to overcome your own pitfalls or any crosses that you had to overcome as you moved up the ranks becoming a writer to get yourself published to whether it's the self-doubt or it's you know anything that was blocking you to actually finally succeeding definitely had I had to work on self-doubt and this is another thing another uh, another way that the contest helps because it's not just, do you win and there's only eight, or do you lose? Um, with honorable mentions and silver honorable mentions and semi-finalists and then finalists, and, you know, you can be a finalist, but you didn't win, and then you're a finalist and you do win. It, it gives you these levels of improvement so that you know, hey, I'm making progress. Um, maybe you have gotten rejections. You know, I, I got rejections. So you've got rejections, and then all of a sudden you're, you get an honorable mention. Hey, you've, you've gotten better. And mm. an honorable mention typically means you're in the top roughly 10 to 15% of the contest's entries. So those honorable mentions, those are good stories. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, maybe you get silver, maybe you get semi, maybe you get finalist, but you don't win. It tells you that you're on the right track. I think for me, for short stories, I had to work on my openings to make sure that my opening was clear and focused and had hooks so that the speculative element was clear. Um, you don't want... A science fiction contest to think wait a minute this is a, a western what uh, you're like i'm into cowboys and and horses and and all of that but this is a science fiction contest you need to show me that this is a speculative western that this is a sci-fi western or a fantasy western mm -hmm. because um and so for me that was something i had to learn that my opening needs to accomplish this list of four or five things within about a page and a half um, and then my other tendency was that every now and then I can tend toward a little bit of purple prose and there's just no room for that. It makes your story too long and it makes it boring. So I learned to, to figure out when I was doing that and to sort of self edit that. Mm -hmm. And those were, those were the two things I had to overcome before I started selling professionally. Okay, good. So you have anything we can look forward to uh, seeing in the near future from you? I have two short stories I'm working on that I'm hoping will come out in 2020. Okay. Um, I have something very recent. I have an audiobook. Um, Tor has this new horror imprint, Nightfire. And Nightfire released some free audiobook short stories that you can find on, I believe, Google Play. In fact, I believe you can even ask Google to tell you a story and you have to specify the name of the author and the title um, and it will read it to you. Good. So, so what, what title should they ask for and by what author? Well, Google Play, ask them, say, read me Cold, Silent, and Dark by Carrie English and hopefully it'll work and hopefully you will be told a scary story. Awesome. And if someone wants to be able to reach you, 
or find out more about you? I have a website at www.carryenglish.com. And that's K-A-R? Yes, K-A-R-Y, English, like the language. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Carrie. It's been great being able to, to speak with you here. And I'm so happy you're on board as our first reader. Alrighty. Thank you, John. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future contests were created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you, Carrie.